First off, congratulations. This is day six. Almost a week has gone by. Hallelujah. Why am I more excited than you guys? <laughs> it's like almost one third. Um, okay, so we're continuing on in our study of John. And we're on chapter five, but I wanted to just touch on something on chapter four before, before we got back into chapter five. And it's something I wanted to bring up, um, but wasn't able to in the interest of time yesterday. Um, so in the very first opening verses of chapter four, and then we'll go to chapter five, um, it says that, so then when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, and we had talked a little bit about how, uh, whether it was Nicodemus, whether it was uh, Jesus' disciples, whether it was John's disciples, that there were still certain like value systems or worldviews that are permeated even into their, their belief systems. And so here you have people who are living for God, loving God, you know, for the kingdom of God, waiting for the Messiah. But at the same time, they're like, oh, his, Jesus' group is getting bigger. You know, there's, there's more numbers. Um, and, 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 and so we mentioned how uh, uh, Nicodemus wasn't able to perceive the spiritual matters. He was so good at the law. He was so good at following tradition and religion. But he didn't have really a relationship with God. And, and we saw an example of that of Apostle Paul. You know, someone who's fervent. You know, contrary to belief, he, he was someone that pursued God fervently with his strength, with his will, with his mind. Um, and, and, and yet when Jesus, God himself... Uh, after resurrection, called out his name, he had no idea. He, he, he could not recognize um, um, the Lord's voice. <clears throat> and so that's always a danger. It's always a risk for us that we get so uh, um, focused on the do's and the don'ts. We get so focused on the rules of Christianity. We get so focused on what a Christian should look like on the outside. We get so fixed on... I, I mean... The idea is that for, for many of us, and I understand like naturally why, like, like, you know, we have a propensity to do this, but the, you know, it's like, just tell me what to do, right? Tell me what's good and tell me what's not good. And then there are areas where God, I'm not sure. Do you want me to do this or do you want me to do that? But you know, a lot of us, we'd rather just like, give me a black and white list and, and these are the things I'm supposed to do and I'll, and I'll do these ones. And so we refer to the Bible as almost like a, like a, like a checklist of do's and don'ts. And, 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 and oftentimes the, the Bible just is relegated to that. You know, am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? Um, but what God actually intends and desires is not that we just do what's right or wrong because this is what happens. Oftentimes we'll get to a place where we know what is right and we know that it's pleasing to God, but it's not, not pleasing to us. And so oftentimes we're doing things disgruntled. Oftentimes we're doing things because we're told, not because we, we want to. Right? And, and I guess, you know, in, in the bigger scheme of things, I guess that's not bad. You know? If, if, if our hearts aren't in it, but we're still doing it because it's right, you know, you know on two sides of the spectrum, you're still on the safe side. But I don't think that's what God wants for you. I don't think that's the type of relationship a father or mother would want to have with you know, their children. Just do what I say. And other than that, leave me alone. 
You know, I think what, we, what, what the goal is, is intimacy, relationship, trust. I think what God wants is that instead of us going back and referring to scriptures and to him even on a transactional basis, and what can I do, what can I not do, what's right, what's not right, okay, where's the bare minimum, okay, I'll, you know, I've talked about this before, we just, I'll just kind of hover there. But I think the, the goal is that God desires that we would actually adopt, subscribe, believe, and submit to the truths of the kingdom of God to the point where we will want to do. See, that's, that's, a, that's a huge phrase right there. Where we will actually want to do what is right. And so God is not merely concerned with us knowing what's right and wrong and then just doing what's right and wrong. Um, um, you know, that's like a teacher and a pupil, you know, always correcting, you know, oh, did I get it right this time? Or how many did I get right? How many? It's, it's, like, a, it's, like, a, it's like an exam. But rather that we would embody and carry his heart and that actually we would mature. We would mature so that when we're presented with a circumstance and a situation, it's not like, oh, I know what I should be doing. I guess I'll do it because I'm a believer. Or, or oh, what does the scripture say? Okay, the scripture says, don't do this. You know, the body's a temple. So the, obviously that applies to more than just black and white. You know, there are certain things the Bible doesn't say. Okay, you know, there's a law of love. And so what God wants us to is actually to mature and to grow into a, an embodiment, a, a reflection, an extension of himself. To the point where even like... The Spirit lives in you, and you're so much in communion with Him. Honestly, I think the mark of a believer is that you don't always have to go to the Scriptures. I, I mean, but that, that's caveat in that you've, been, you've spent so much time in the Scriptures. You've spent so much time knowing Him. The Scriptures was a catalyst into bringing you into a relationship. And so then the laws of God and the heart of God and the, and the vantage point and how God sees people and how God sees circumstances and how God will make these decisions are actually imprinted in your heart. And that would be the sign of maturity. We've come to maturity. Like, like, I want to do these things because it's pleasing to God. Versus, I'm commanded to do these things. Um, and so, um, the verse that I had just read for you, uh, it says, uh, and I love this, although Jesus himself was not... So, so Jesus is going around baptizing, and he'd only, you know, we'd only been introduced a handful of days or maybe a week at this point into his public ministry and however much longer John had been there before Jesus and yet he's baptizing more disciples than John. And it's really quick. It's even in parentheses and you might even miss it. And it says in verse 2, although Jesus himself was not baptizing. And, and that just kind of caught me. He's just starting ministry and somewhere in between the first days of ministry he's already appointed a handful of people to go out and start baptizing people. And so he's already relinquished. He's already empowered. He's already put people in charge to do something everyone expected him to be doing. And so it's a little bit of an um, insight into ministry philosophy. You know, the idea that the pastor or that the leader is responsible for all 150 people, adults, you know, 100 kids, 250. We recognize that that's not possible. Right? And, and we also recognize how, traditionally speaking, in church studies... Generally speaking, across the board, everywhere, 20% usually are the base that cover all, that, that do all the work in the church. So any church you go into, if you were to take a guess, 
20% of the people are doing 100% of the work. And so uh, uh, it's just not sustainable. You know, that, that's why people burn out, uh, leaders get tired. And so you know, we have to build that base. We have to appoint other people. And so that's why we have other uh, uh, pastors in positions you know, to meet and to counsel. But that's why we also, at Solomon's Porch, we have lay pastors. And we're appointed then. And uh, we're going to raise them up. You know, house church zone leaders is something we're doing this year in 2022. And so the idea is, you know, in a church, and I was in a 6,000-member church in a conference, actually here in Singapore, maybe some 15 years ago before I ever even, uh, before I even uh, you know, moved or lived here. And they were giving the example of how, uh, uh, you know, they had hundreds and thousands of members. And when someone gets sick, they want the lead pastor to come. And if the lead pastor does not come, they feel like the church is not caring for them. But how could the possibly the, the lead pastor care for several thousand people? And so they had to change literally the mindset of every individual. So they, they started appointing, uh, uh, you know, a, a hiring associate pastors. They started appointing lay pastors. And so the lay pastors and the associate pastors would be trained up. And you got to start from somewhere, right? But over a period of time, then, then the pastoral sort of uh, uh, pool was broadened and... and now, if the lead pastor didn't come, but if the associate pastor came, or if a lay pastor came, the, the culture, the value of that community was such that they felt cared for. They felt that this was an extension, an embodiment of the leadership. And so, I, I just think it's beautiful because, you know, we always have in church culture, you know, who's qualified, uh, uh, who's, who's equipped, who, you know, who has certain titles. And, and I just want you to see here how from the outset, you know, even at this point, everyone's probably going to Nicodemus. Even at this point, everyone's going to John the Baptist. But Jesus, from the outset, has already appointed and sent out people to baptize. So baptism isn't about, do you subscribe to the traditions and, 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 and our, the theology and to the culture of SP, right? You know, sometimes we, we, we you know, uh, um, you know the, the reason why we have three classes is because we want to make sure people are making a believable profession of faith. Um, but I know, uh, uh, you know other places where they really use that as a membership and, and they go through all these other things. And, and, I, and I see the necessity for that. I understand why. Um, but it's just uh, wonderful to see here how from the outset Jesus just appoints people. And this is what this tells me. Um, it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't equip them. It didn't mean that Jesus didn't take the care and the time to explain to them what they're doing and why they're doing it. But Jesus is empowering. He's giving people authority. They're going out there. I mean, all the way to the end of Jesus' ministry, even Judas at the very end ends up betraying him. And so what does that, what does that tell you? That, that every follower or every, every disciple or every believer is fully 1,000% subscribed to and without error, and without fail, they're not going to misrepresent Jesus in any capacity, in any way? Absolutely not. Right? They, they, they were out there. They, they were ministering. They were, they were, they were making mistakes. And these were teachable opportunities. You know, everywhere you go, Jesus is correcting the disciples. You know, they say a prayer and Jesus says, don't pray like that, pray like this. And so it's, it's one of the words that very early on in my ministry that I've been introduced to. And, and it's, it, as far as ministry is concerned, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a very, it's maybe not be a very popular phrase, but it's, you know, on the job training, on the job training. And so if you've been asked to lead or serve in a capacity at Solomon's Porch, it's not because you've arrived. It's not because 
you know, you've, you've hit this standard or arrived, you know, to the, to the standard of a perfect leader, but, but there's something in you. There's, there, there's a humility in you. There's, there's, there's something in you that, that we believe that you have the ability to submit and hear from the Spirit, you know, uh, in matters of spiritual things. And, and anything beyond that is just, will you walk with me? It's an invitation. Will you come alongside and we can do this together? And there will certainly be, you know, uh, uh, difficulties and trials and, and, and areas of struggle. But these are the areas where you're going to encounter God. And these are the areas where you're going to grow. And so it's very much an invitation to experience God. When anyone asks you in any capacity, would you be willing to serve? What they're really saying is, you know, do you want to experience God in a way that you haven't experienced Him before? Are you willing to be stretched in a way that you haven't been stretched before? Are you willing to trouble yourself and commit yourself? And so anyone who's committed to anything in our community, you know, has done that. It's an encouragement for all new beginners who don't feel like they know everything, but they're willing to walk and obey Jesus. This is the call. And if that's the case, that's everyone. There's not a single one of us as a believer that can say, I'm not sure if I'm ready to make that call. If the Lord is your Lord and he makes that call, and he makes that invitation. It's something we have to take seriously. And we have to submit and commit to the Lord. So I just wanted to draw that out to you to kind of alleviate this pressure. You know, someone asked me if I can co-lead. Someone asked me if I could take cover for a season. Someone asked me if I could step up. Someone asked me if I could lead. Oh, you know, our house church leaders are held in such high esteem. You know, and, and, and it probably comes from me because I hold them in such high esteem. But then there's some of, some of the... You know, some of that where it's like, I don't know if I can be a house church leader like them. You know, well, I want you to know that whether it's a house church leader or myself, that we all started from very humble beginnings. My goodness. If you knew me when I was a teenager and a, and a twinner, you would never say, oh, man, that guy's got something on him. One day he's going to be planning churches and moving. I mean, my first sermon, I almost didn't even show up. I was so terrified. I was seriously terrified. I, I was like crying the night before. I went to my youth pastor's house. I was like, I can't preach. You got to preach. And, and he was watching the X-Files. And that's all he did all night. He didn't say a word to me. And, and then I cried my last tear. I went home. <laughs> and then I woke up. The next morning, my knees were buckling. I mean, I, 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 like, I was terrified that people could see my knees. And I thought, and, 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 and I just, I just, I, you know. Um, but you got to start somewhere. Yvain yesterday gave her first sermon yesterday. And she was nervous, you know, to me and PMAT, we were, we were giving her constructive, you know, criticism and feedback. And man, she did a spectacular job. And I know that over time, as, as she's, you know, as she's obedient, that God's going to continue growing that. Think about that for a second. God is able to do anything. And the only thing that would limit him is our lack of faith or our inability to, to, to submit or commit to something. And it's not just about service and it's not just about building up the church. But really, it's, it's coming into a personal relationship and encountering Jesus in, in a deeper way. And so these disciples got to go out. They got to do things. They got to see things. I'm sure they made mistakes. Jesus had to correct them. But I'm sure there was, it was exciting. It was like every opportunity, like, put me in, coach. You know, put me in the play. You know, put me out on the field. Um, and so I just wanted to, I think that's really helpful. It's a great reminder as we start off the year. Uh, because I think, you know, this year in 2022, as we're revamping and restarting the new year, and, and we're kind of in a similar position as we were uh, last year. We were just starting off, but with the Omicron coming, there's gonna be a little bit of delay. But I'm expecting, anticipating in faith sometime after February, March, sometime in April, to go full-fledged, full swing, 
And it's like we got to bring everyone back. We got to re-recruit all the various ministries. And so I'll actually be making a charge this Sunday. Uh, we're short on, on media team. We're short on a worship team. We're short on CM volunteers. If, if you understand, you know, if, if you miss, like, like, you know, we've had a pretty decent turnout the last few weeks, uh, uh, surprisingly, even at the end of the year and beginning. And uh, this time last year, we had 20 people coming out on Sundays because we, we had been on break for about maybe four or five months. So this time last year, we, when we started in January, we had like 20 people. We're already at 70, 80 people, you know, last few weeks. Um, but there's, there's a cap, there's a limit. But you have to understand that it kind of permeates. It, it kind of, it's exponential. And so it kind of starts with the CM. First, we need help uh, for people to help with CM. Then if the CM classes expand, then the, then the parents and families are able to come again. And then the parents and families are able to, and the rotation starts, and the people are able to fill up in the main sanctuary again. And then all the volunteers and everyone else starts to come. There's this buzz, there's this energy. Uh, and next thing you know, we have a full house. But it all starts with CM. That's the catalyst. That's, that's, the, that's the start point. If, if the parents can't come, then, and there's not enough people to volunteer, and the classes can't expand, and the parents can't come, then the, then the greater body in general won't expand, and then, and then it'll be the same handful of people doing the same thing you know, all year round, and they'll get tired. And so it really starts, for the whole benefit of the whole body, you have to see that it really starts with getting these classes back you know, to five, getting these classes back to eight, getting them back to rotation, having more classes, and then the parents coming back, and then everyone else coming back, and then it just kind of, you know, uh, uh, perpetuates this cycle, and, and our community comes back, you know, in, into form. And, and one of the charge at some point this year, I'm going to say, you know, it, it's not going to be an easy call, but at some point I'm going to say, you know, we're going to cut online, you know. I, I don't know, don't, don't be afraid, it won't be so soon, okay. It's, it's a... It's such a bold statement, and it's, such a, it's something that's in my heart. And, and I'll ask God for the right timing. But there's going to be a point where we're going to say, cut, and you guys need to come back. Right? We're going to go back to meeting in person. You know, we can't live in fear forever. This thing, this thing we have to leave for, you know, move forward. I believe the government is a, a, approaching it after this Omicron spike you know, as an endemic. And, and life has to go on. Right? And so, uh, uh, just, just a picture. And, and all I've done today is cover John chapter 4. Um, Okay, let me see if I can read real quickly John chapter 5. Okay, uh, verse 1. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, or, or uh, other translations, the, the, the Gate Beautiful, there is a pool which in Hebrew is called Bethsaida, having five porticos. In these porticos lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, limping, or paralyzed. Now a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there, knowing that he had already been in the condition for a long time, Somebody say, long time, long time. Said to him, do you want to get well? What a fantastic question. 38 years, this man, in a, in a condition, physical ailment, can't move, stuck on a mat. And every time the pool gets swirled and, and healing is available to him, supernaturally, someone else cuts the line and gets in front of him. It's like, it's like the church community coming together and we all want healing. And every time we come to get prayed for, every time we come for a special conference or meeting, someone else gets there first. And, and, and you get cut off and you don't get prayed for. And Jesus asks this question, do you want to get well? Brothers and sisters, what is it that you're struggling with? What temptations, what vices, what struggles, what conditions of the heart, what, what broken relationships in the home, you know, finances, relationships, emotions. Where, where do you perceive 
unwellness. And do you want to get well? The Lord makes an invitation. Do you want to get well? And so the answer would be yes. Yes, Lord. Heal me. I want to get well. And this person has been sick for 38 years. And Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? And it's almost like, it's almost like his response, he lifts the record player. You guys remember the old record players? Right? Did you guys ever own one? The old record players, vinyl, and you play it? Yeah, I had one too. Like 50 years ago. <laughs> um, it was awesome. I remember my first, I think my first record was like Depeche Mode or something. Anyways, it's like he just lifted his finger and, and repeat. Played the record. The same spiel. Oh, I've been here for 38 years. Oh, every time that the opportunity comes to be healed, then someone else goes. And so, oh, you know, woe is me. And, and, and I don't know if he's just looking, you know, for handouts. I don't know if he's gotten conditioned. Maybe, maybe in the beginning, maybe, maybe in the outset, in the early years, every time, every opportunity that came, he had belief and he had faith. He had absolutely believed that God could do anything. But then somewhere down the line, Somewhere in his relation, somewhere down the line, he got to a point where, oh, I guess, okay, I guess I'm next. Or I guess, oh, I guess that person had, had more needs. Somewhere down the line, he got to a point where he believed in his heart that God didn't care for him. That God had more important things to do other than him. And so the condition of his heart is not just physical, but it's also spiritual and emotional. He doesn't expect it. God himself, and how would he know other than that, you know, someone comes with love, with compassion, with care and says, do you want to be well? And the only thing he can say is, this is why I haven't been well. What? Do you want to be well? And then we spend the whole time explaining to God why we're not well. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? And so church, our mindset and response must be, yes. Yes, Lord. I want to be well. Yes, Lord. I want to be healed. Yes, Lord. I believe that you can transform and change my life today. And so Jesus says, get up. Get up. And then he says, pick up. Pick up. And then he says, walk. And so this morning, what is it in your life, right, where we have been making, where I have been making excuses for myself, where I have become conditioned to accept my condition? And this morning, this morning, if you have ears to hear, as we are here meeting before the Lord, fasting and contending for His name and for His name only, do you want to be healed? And so come before the Lord this morning. Let's bow our heads. There's an invitation this morning and the Lord comes to you in the spirit and asks you, where is your brokenness? Where is your hurt? Where is your struggle? Where is your vice? Do you want to get well? Oh, but Lord, you know, and, and, and this and, oh, I've tried so many times. Jesus says to him, get up and walk. And so just come before the Lord this morning 
and let the Holy Spirit highlight to you any area of your life where we've sort of given up. Just submit to Him. You know, any, any sickness, any ailment, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. And say, just, just confess to Him this morning, Lord, I believe, I believe. And then look for an opportunity today. Look for an opportunity this weekend. Look for an opportunity this next week where the Lord is going to call you to actually get up, to actually make a move, to make an adjustment. And if there's anything specific and you want to let me know, for those of you who are here, uh, you can reach out and, uh, and I'd love to pray for you uh, in, in that way. Let's just take a few moments this morning and let's respond in, uh, in our hearts in worship.